Hi, friends. Good morning. I hope you got some coffee, chatted with a friend, or met a new person. Hi. Um, so if you don't know me, which most of you do, I'm Sarah. I am our worship coordinator here at Walker. Um, so extra, extra glad we got to have some friends come and lead us in worship today. Um, we get to hear from me today because Wally is a little sleepy. Although I am glad he made it in to do announcements. Thanks, Wally. <laughs> um, why don't we pray before we get going? Dear Lord, thank you so much for gathering us together to worship you today. Thank you for our friends from Calvin Christian coming to lead us in singing. Thank you for the safe return of the group that went to Israel. Thank you for all the lessons you taught them that I'm sure we'll be able to glean over the coming weeks. Thank you for the way that you have been present in our lives and that you will be present in our lives. We pray that whatever it is that comes out of my mouth today will be honoring to you, that you will speak, and that we will listen to you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, if you were here last week, we had Tom Ellenboss, senior pastor of All Harbor Churches. So we got like the really great sermon. Now you have me, it's all fine. But <laughs> last week, Pastor Tom talked about the importance of knowing the real Jesus. He gave an example of a fictional place he called Jesus Christ Superstore, where you can go in and you can pick out any kind of Jesus that you want. You can pick out cute little baby Jesus, or liberal Jesus, or conservative Jesus, or maybe powerful motivational speaker Jesus, or meme Jesus that tells us what we want to hear in pretty font. And all of these choices are customizable and, you know, up to you. The problem, of course, with this is that not every version of Jesus reflects the real Jesus. So Tom told us about the importance of actually knowing who Jesus really is. Then, as Tom taught, Jesus gave instructions to his disciples and sent them out to preach the good news of the kingdom. They had been watching his life, and then it was their turn to take what they had learned and go out and apply it. As you know, we are working our way through the book of Matthew, covering a ton of content in just one year. Today we're moving into chapter 11, and we are not going to cover the whole thing. So I encourage you to go home and read the rest of chapter 11, and then you can ask Wally your questions about it later. <laughs> the title of this week's message, which I did not choose, but is really good, is when you don't get what you want. And if I'm honest, I think the Lord had me looking into this one for a reason, because this is something I find to be really tough. And it's not because I'm asking for a Ferrari or a trip to the Caribbean, right? Even though that would be nice. But because what I want is really good. And sometimes I feel like I really should get what I want. Anyone else? <laughs> I mean, I want my loved ones to be healed from their disease. I want to stop hearing about another horrible mass shooting on the news. I want my children to be healthy. I want that broken relationship restored. 
What happens when we don't get what we want? And what do we do? And what happens if not getting what we want leads us to start questioning whether Jesus is who we thought he was? Well, before we dive into our text, we need a little background info, or as we like to say here, context. So our text today starts with John the Baptist in prison. So let's get some stats on our boy, John. There's a guy dressed like John. He is like a wilderness guy, so there you have it. <laughs> we know a few things about him. We know he was related to Jesus. So we know from Luke chapter 1 that his mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother, Mary, were related to each other. Mary came to visit um, when they were both pregnant, and John even did a little happy dance in the womb when Jesus came in Mary's belly. We know that John was a prophet. He spent his time out in the wilderness, baptizing people, calling them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was kind of how he spent his time. We know that he had made an enemy of Herod's wife. So Herod had married his brother's wife, Herodias, and John confronted him and told him this was unlawful. So Herodias was not a fan. We also know that John was in prison, and that is where we're going to pick him up in our story. He was um, arrested by Herod and put in prison due to this conflict over Herod's wife. Okay, so we're ready for the text, yes? All right, hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 11, 1 through 5. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When, Je or when John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And good news is proclaimed to the poor. So we've got John in prison. And I can almost hear his thoughts as he sits there. I've heard about some really Messiah-like things happening, but I'm still sitting here in prison. So Jesus, are you actually the guy? Are we going to get going on this thing? Or are you somebody else? Do we need to wait? Are you going to do something, Jesus? When are you going to show up for me? John sends his friends to go ask Jesus if he is the one they thought he was. And Jesus answers with a list. He says, go and tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the sick are healed. Good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus is referring to an Old Testament prophecy, but not necessarily the prophecy they expected. They were expecting an Elijah-like Messiah to come with fire, and judgment. But Jesus was skipping ahead a little in the story. He was referring to the words of the prophet Isaiah in his prophecies after judgment, after God's people were restored. As our good friend Tom, or we like to call him N.T. Wright, says, 
Jesus is actually one jump ahead in the storyline of where John thinks he should be. John wants him to bring judgment, and so, in a sense, he will. But already the mercy which comes after judgment, the healing which comes after the time of sorrow is breaking in, and it's Jesus' job to bring it. This, according to Jesus and Matthew, is the Messiah's main task. John knew the scriptures well enough to know exactly what Jesus was referring to. He knew the words of Isaiah. So here's the words from Isaiah that Jesus was speaking. First from Isaiah 35, four through six. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. For your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He will come to save you. Okay. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind, unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. And Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Okay, sounds familiar, right? An awful lot like what we just heard Jesus say to tell John. Let's take another look at verse 5 and what Jesus actually said. Okay, so here's what Jesus said to tell John. Now we'll look at the Isaiah passage and we'll just see how well they line up, okay? So according to Isaiah, when the Messiah comes, he will open the eyes of the blind. See it, okay? He will unplug the ears of the deaf, Isaiah says. Okay. (laughs) The good news will be proclaimed to the poor. Yes. The sick will be healed. Go back to Matthew, Matthew for me, honey. The sick will be healed. Yep, okay, leprosy are cleansed, right? It's there. The prisoners will be set free. Jesus didn't say that part. It's not there. This piece of Isaiah's prophecy is noticeably missing from Jesus' list of messianic deeds that were happening here and now. John is in prison. He's heard about some strange things happening that sound a lot like the Messiah in Isaiah, but he's still in prison. So he asks, is this the guy? Jesus, are you him? And in so many words, Jesus basically says, yes, I'm him. And John, you're not getting out of prison. In fact, John would never get out of prison, and he would eventually be beheaded by Herod. John doesn't get what he wants, and he starts to wonder if Jesus really was who he thought he was. What do we do when we're in this situation? What do we do when we don't get what we want, and like John, start to question if Jesus really is who we thought? In the fall of 2019, my best friend's little sister had an experimental heart surgery. She was just the most loving, full of life, kind, generous 
bubbly girl, and she had a really, really rare heart condition. This surgery had only been done three times ever, all on babies, all who survived, and Hannah was 23. We expected that the surgery was going to fix it and give her a long, happy, healthy life going forward. After the surgery, which was actually successful, she had complication after complication and spent months in the ICU in New York City. So my best friend would text me every day with an update of how Hannah was doing. And that was in September. In October, I was going to be in Nepal for two weeks, so we switched our texting to an online messaging app so that when I got to the hotels, I could have updates still. I was in Nepal with our friend and um, harbor ministry partner, Yakuv to visit and learn from local church planters there. You do remember that, yeah. <laughs> Well, Yakuv, who is from Nepal, one morning woke us up well before the sunrise. He said, we're going up a mountain. And he said, this is what we do. Elijah went up a mountain. Moses went up a mountain. Jesus went up a mountain. We are going up a mountain. So I don't, didn't know why we had to go up a mountain in the dark, but we got in a car after our hotel instant coffee and this taxi car drove us for about an hour, just up, 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 up. We got out. It was still dark. We had to hike up a little bit more. And we got to the top of this cliff. And you could just see people lined up, lined up across the cliff, speaking all kinds of different languages. It was super cool. And I was looking out, and I thought, okay, this is really pretty. But it would also be pretty in a couple more hours of sleep. <laughs> but we were looking over the cliff and you could see the Himalayas on the other side. And there was a deep valley that you could look down and there were two rivers that were cutting through it. And then at the very tip of the mountain, it was like somebody just flipped a switch and all the people in different languages, the ooh and ah is exactly the same. Everybody's cameras were clicking. The, the sun started coming up and just lighting up just the very tip of the mountain. And then I realized why we had to get up so early. We really needed to see this. As the sun kept rising, more and more of the mountains started to illuminate. And it was just one of those breathtaking moments where you're standing on a mountain like I'm never gonna see anything this amazing in my life. And I looked down in the valley and just watched as the sun went up, the shadows in the valley were just swirling. And there were parts that were dark, and then as the sun moved, they were bright again. And parts that were bright with color and vibrant as the sun rose became dark. And the shadows just danced as the sun rose. And I thought, okay, I'm on this mountain, I'm having this moment, I need to worship, right? <laughs> And the first thing that came to mind was, I will praise you on the mountain. So I thought of this song, I will praise you on the mountain. I will praise you when the mountain is in my way. 
You're the summit where my feet are, and I will praise you in the valleys all the same. You're no less God within the shadows. You're no less faithful when the night leads me astray. That stopped me cold. I'm up there going, ooh, I have a beautiful worship moment, and then I just, whoa. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful. He's no less faithful. It was one of those moments where I felt so clearly that God was speaking to me, which doesn't happen a ton, you know, but I knew it. I knew he was giving me a lesson I needed to pay attention to and remember. And what I felt like I heard was that what was happening in that valley didn't change the nature of the sun. The sun shone, it rose, and it just kept shining. And what was happening in our lives doesn't change the nature of our God. Two months later, Hannah passed away. And it was really easy to praise God standing on the mountain. It was easy. I got to see firsthand the amazing work that God was doing in Nepal. I mean, people literally were being healed. Sick were being healed. The church was growing. God was calling people to new life and faith. And it was, it was, I was there, you know, I was seeing it. It was easy to praise God. So why didn't he heal Hannah? Why didn't he give us what we wanted? What we wanted was good. Hannah was wonderful. She spent all of her time helping kiddos with special needs. That was her job. And you know, the world was better with her in it. And it did make me question. It did. Why? Where are you, God? (sighs) We pray and we pray and we ask God for what we know is good. That job that makes it easier to pay the bills. The baby we always dreamed of raising. The relationship to be repaired. That loved one to be healed. When we don't get what we want, we often start to question like John, are you who I thought you were? Jesus, I've been unwavering in my belief that you are the Messiah. Have I been wrong? I think there are a couple invitations as I wipe my tears. A couple invitations that we can glean from Jesus and John in our story. First is to bring it to Jesus. When the question arose in John, he took it straight to the source. He sent his friends to go and ask Jesus, are you the one? And we don't even have to go through others. We actually now, we have direct access to God. We can cry out to him on our knees and he listens and he cares. We can take it to him. The Bible is full of people that brought their questions and their doubts to God. If you need language for that ever, open the Psalms. There's a ton of it. There's a lot of it that's giving praise and glory to God, and there's a lot of it that's honest. God can take our questions. When John asked his question of Jesus, how did Jesus respond? 
he gave him a list of things that were true. So I think the next practice we can put into place ourselves is to look to the Bible for what is true. So have you ever been scrolling on social media and you see a meme and it's beautiful, it has lovely font and maybe there's flowers or a sunset and it says something about God that you, you don't know but it looks true. Okay, like God never gives us more than we can handle. False. <laughs> this is not true. It's pretty, but it's not true. God does not cause our suffering. In fact, God says we are going to experience things we can't handle and that he is strong in our weakness. Hmm. Or what about this one? Isn't it pretty? I can do all things through Christ, wrapped up in a basketball. <laughs> yes, this one actually does come from scripture in the context of finding contentment in all circumstances. It is not a promise that you will win your basketball game. I'm sorry. <sighs> but if we don't know what is true, if we don't know the real Jesus, we can start to believe in this meme Jesus. But meme Jesus is not true. Meme Jesus is going to let you down. Meme Jesus isn't sitting with you in your suffering. Meme Jesus is trying to make us feel better for the moment, and it's just not going to last. Jesus gave John a list of truths, of things he was doing that indicated who he was. Yes, John, you are going to stay in prison. You're not getting out. And I am still good. The blind see. The sick are healed. The lame walk. People in Nepal are experiencing new hope in Christ. My life is being transformed by the love of Jesus for someone like me. I know that I have hope and peace from knowing Jesus that I didn't have before. I don't know why we sometimes don't get what we want, but I know the God who sits with me in my sorrow. I know the God who sent tons of people to Hannah's family with food and cards and mops for housework and laundry soap and a comforting presence that showed up with love. I know that God. I know the God that welcomes and holds and loves and accepts the most broken among us. I know this God who is always, always good and we can trust that because he never changes. We know from scripture that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because he is not going to change, we can trust him. So finally, I think our practice is to trust. Scripture tells us to trust the Lord with all of our hearts. As we walk this journey of faith, we can trust that God is always at work, even when we don't see it even when it's painful, because we know God. 
We know God's character. We know he can be trusted, and we know he doesn't change. Yes, they do make the acronym of BLT. You're welcome if you're a sandwich person, you can remember this. <laughs> oh, my friends, knowing the real Jesus matters. He's so worth it. He is so good, I promise. If you're up on the mountaintop right now or today, praise God, look around you and enjoy it and take it in because you're going to need it. You're going to need to remember that. And if you're in the valley and you feel like you have shadows swirling around you, know that God does not change, that God does see you, that God does love you, and God does not and will not abandon you. When we don't get what we want, when we start to question who he really is, may we take our fears and our doubts and our questions to him. May we seek and know the real him. And may we, he give us the grace to trust that he is good in every season, in every circumstance. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you never change, that you are good. You are holding us when we need you to hold us, celebrating us with us when we're celebrating, that you're at work here and everywhere in the world. Whether we see it or not, God, we can trust you. I pray, Lord, that you will reveal your goodness to us, for anyone here that just needs to know, just needs to know who you are, God, show them your goodness. We really need you. We lift all of these things up to you in your name, Lord. Amen.